There's something that can make you do wrong Can make you do Greetings to everybody listening out there. I'd just like to take a moment to thank you for joining me and tuning in to the Battle Tested Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Thomas, and today I have an interesting topic I'd like to discuss that's been on my mind. Do you ever wonder about your narrative? But one of the things I'd like to talk about today is comic books. I have this theory, and I'll share a personal story of my own that ties into this theory a little bit. How many of you out there read comic books as a kid? I know I read comic books as a kid. I was compelled by these characters that had all these gifts and abilities. Let's face it, superheroes' lives are riddled with tragedy. We may be thrilled by the heroics and respect the desire that they stand up for the little guy, but superheroes often suffer the consequences of putting themselves in the line of fire constantly. How relatable does that become for the everyday Joes and Janes that go through this type of stuff? It's really in the tragedy that sets the stage for everything else to come. So whether it's a violent death of a parent in an early life or an accident that fundamentally changes who they are, these events serve as a catalyst. And I feel like this really humanizes these characters to where it becomes very relatable in these storylines. That's going to lead into a deeper discussion about the theory of superhero syndrome. It's in the loss and suffering that feels their heroics. And I think there's something credible that we can pull away from that in the sense that we've dealt with tragedy, we've had suffering, we've had losses. But what I'd like to talk about today is superhero syndrome. It's based off of the loose idea that these fictional characters that we grew up watching or reading books on have all suffered this loss. It's really what catapults them into their uncanny abilities. I'll share my story and how I carved out this this theory in the first place of superhero syndrome because I feel we all have it. We all have this superhero syndrome and we played this narrative in our lives before. So let's take you back to when I was incarcerated at one of my first facilities. It's really amazing how any experience that you go through in life has these different characters and how they play different roles at different points in your life. I was very interested in Taoism and Buddhism and reading a lot of literature around those topics, mainly because there was a big mental piece that I was trying to work on as far as catapulting my own growth. At that time, I wasn't going to allow this 12-year prison sentence to define me. I truly wanted to utilize my time to become the best version of myself. So I picked up every self-help book I could. I practiced the techniques, different methods, and I pulled away different things that were credible and that worked for me. And I started to apply those things. And along the way, I got really interested in Buddhism. And I met an individual who was a registered Buddhist that I shared a dorm room with at the time. So my my first correctional facility was actually in the process of closing down. And those who wanted to be there needed to play their role. Then later, we were all transferred to other facilities. We did have some coordinated gatherings where we would have outside personnel come in and help us with some guided meditation, provide some additional literature, and things of that nature. So that was an additional compliment as well. But to have somebody mentor me in the idea of Buddhism was really pivotal for me at the time. 
I was just starting to grasp these different concepts in my own life and really start to put these pieces together. Present is a funny thing because we're talking about characters. So this individual character, he went by the name of Hasbro. You know, I, I just think it's kind of ironic that we're talking about characters here and he had such a unique handle. Anyhow, depending on your points in your classification, how much time you had, a lot of these things made a difference as far as where you were going to be placed. I ended up going to Sterling Correctional Facility after I had closed that place down. I was at that facility for nearly 13 months. There weren't really many programs that I was interested in. The, the primary program I was interested in was the SWIFT program, which was the State Wildland Inmate Fire Team. You have to be a certain amount of time to your parole eligibility date. And if you don't fit that category, then you're not eligible for this program. So the second program that caught my interest was culinary arts. And I actually got half of my core curriculum in culinary arts while I was incarcerated. They hadn't came down to Sterling Correctional Facility for about two years. They hadn't done any recruiting from out of there. So we had a big pool of individuals who tried out. There was about 25 of us and we had two separate yards. And that's where I met one of my best battle buddies, Joseph Trujillo. Joe and I had this natural embedded camaraderie and uh, it was great, you know, and it, it still exists today. And I love that individual to death. He knows I got his six. If he's out there listening to this show, I got you. And I know that you always got my back as well. Anyways, I finally make it to the SWIFT program. I'm in my last season. Now, mind you, I didn't have to be there. After my first season, I was accepted to community corrections. And it wasn't that I wasn't ready but I did get a lot of hatred because I waived, I waived that right for two reasons. I wanted to see parole for, for one, for the second time and see if I would just get straight parole. And the second reason was to sign off on my firefighter task book so that I could potentially become a wildland firefighter as a future career and even had some opportunities lined up after I had done that. So I spent 18 additional months incarcerated that I did not have to and eventually ended up getting accepted to community corrections at the first place that accepted me. So during that time, I'm walking on the track, spinning some laps after a workout. And out of all people, here comes Hasbro, you know, some years later. This guy was already released. He was released out to the streets, caught another case, came back, and was back in prison. Some years later, this was a good four and a half years that I had seen this individual in that short time at my original facility when we were talking meditation and Buddhism. He had seen me on the yard, how I carried myself, and was very interested in doing the things that I was doing. You know, so initially, I really didn't have much to give this guy. And he had a pending case, even though he was already in prison, on a turnaround. So they were going to send him back to county to deal with that case. And sometimes you have to take the initiative as a prisoner to write a writ to the courts so that they can transfer you, get all that stuff done. And this is during the off season when I seen him. I laid out some strict itinerary for Hasbro. I said, okay, I'll be willing to help you. I'll put in a good word for you. If you do this, that, and the other. He had all these medical dispositions and you, you can't be on any medical restrictions as far as that goes. And a lot of the time, those are just crutches for individuals in there to get free psychotropics and they can peddle those in a bartering aspect out on the yard to get canteen. That's just one of the little side hustles that people do. So, so that was, that was on the itinerary. He needed to get released from medical. He claimed all these dispositions with his back and had all kinds of injuries going on. So he really didn't fit the bill as 
as anybody who would be considered. This was an elite group. So out of the thousands of inmates that we have every year, they only recruit about 40 to 50 individuals on three different crews at three different facilities. So the firefighter guys were kind of hated on by the rest of the individuals in a sense because you know we had a lot of what they didn't have. Our crew bosses at the facility I was at always told us, you act like a firefighter, we treat you like a firefighter, which separated us from the rest of the inmates. Whether we were doing chainsaw work with trees or we were actually out there on a fire, we got day for day off of our sentence. So we're pilling our time back and we're doing something credible to contribute to the community as well. It was extremely meaningful to me. So he gets back to the facility a week from tryouts and he's met every single requirement that I had asked, which was nearly an impossible task. I didn't see that he would actually accomplish it. But not only that, during his time where you have no recreation time, when he took a writ down to county jail, he spent the time to work on his cardio, to do burpees in his cell, and and to work on himself, and to get himself prepared for this opportunity. So I held true to my word, and I put in a good word for him as far as him making those efforts. And eventually he ended up getting selected and recruited as part of the SWIFT crew. So that's my roundabout story about how we met initially and then how we met again. I told him that he needed to come closer to where I was and to change his people, places, and things because he was going to go right back to Denver where he had got in all this trouble in the first place, in the second place, in the third place. And he had all these situations just perpetuate the same results to where he ended up incarcerated. He's been in and out of prison his entire life. Doing something new was something credible, and I really tried to push him in that area. Initially, he did really well for himself, but then he got entangled in a relationship that was very toxic, which led to other drug use. And it wasn't until then that he wanted to separate from that, and he wanted to take my offer and my open door to come in and stay with me. I gave this individual some clothes, some gear, gave him a job, like a great paying job too. Took him to and from work, like, you know, didn't ask him to do much, like picked him up at a very low moment of his life. You could tell that he was struggling with this addiction and that he wanted help. So I tried to help him. I tried to meet him more than halfway and give him these opportunities because of the past that we had shared. And he had proven to me before that he could do it. But this time around, it was very different. And we had episodes after episodes where he was calling the cops for, he was calling the cops for seeing shadow people and the Irish mob was following him and the stories just went on and on. And I wasn't buying the bullshit. And that's what was really crazy to me is like, I had to really put my foot down and give him the boot and put him out there on the streets because he wasn't being honest with me. There was nothing that was going to stop him from destroying himself. I became a mentor to this individual. He, he looked at me as a superhero, as this iconic individual. And no matter what I did, it wasn't enough. And he became that person for me, you know, with addiction that I couldn't save. I had to suffer that loss. You know, I couldn't have this perpetuation of him coming and going and relying on me to be there as his crutch and his support. I literally came to the point where I wrote him off as if he was dead. No matter the powers that I put forth to try to save this individual, it was just an impossible task and it couldn't happen. I'm sure you listeners out there have compelling stories of your own, but this is one of my stories that carved out this theory of 
the superhero syndrome. Now, I don't know that it really filled my purpose and passion, but I definitely feel different about it today. Having experienced relapse of my own and going back to humble beginnings of where I started and rebuilding my foundation, it really gets me thinking, but it's a tale that I never forgot about. And I think applies to each and every individual out there that has lived with the loss and the suffering. And especially when it's related to substance use or addictive behavior where you just can't do anything until they are ready to do it for themselves. So that's all I got for you today with my superhero syndrome and rant about that. I'm wishing you all love for you and your family for the upcoming holidays. And until next time, my friends, be kind to one another.